Hey, this is Todd Mitchell from Code Right Play. Salutations. This is Mike Carroll from Strollart. Hey, this is Patrick from the Backlog Odyssey. Hey, this is Brimstone, and you're listening to Roger Reichardt on the Gamerheads Podcast. And welcome to another episode of the Gamerheads Podcast. My name is Roger. Along with me are my good friends and co-hosts. We have Ed. Hello. And Mike. Hey, howdy, hey. And <laughs> always, always. <laughs> welcome to the show. Uh, if you like what you hear, if you're a first time listener, I should say, hit subscribe. We'd love to have you on as a long time listener. So hit subscribe on the on the on the wherever you're listening to this, and then also leave us a review if you like what you hear. Leave us a review of the podcast. We'd love to hear what you have to say. We did get a review. Oh. Uh, and the review f- was from, I uh, hope I'm pronouncing this right, Plabs. And they wrote, really entertaining podcast. I'll definitely check out Death Store because I listened to the last episode. Oh. Loved, the interv- interv- uh, loved the interview as well. Could tell everyone had a good time. So very cool. Thank you for leaving us that review. Appreciate yeah. that. Um, and speaking of reviews, this week, Mike, I'm going to be interviewing... I'm having an interview with uh, Ruin, the creator of Red Colony 2. And Red Colony 1. And Red Colony 1. That's right. So we'll be all the Red about Colonies. All of them. Yeah. Every single one. So we'll be talking all, about. Yeah. <laughs> so, Mike, do you, I mean, I guess we can just start just quickly there. I mean, you, you finished your review of that game, right? I did. And it is available right now for the low, low price of nothing mm-hmm. at GamerHeadsPodcast.com. Yeah. Uh, it was a really good review, Mike. Thank you. You're welcome. Well written. I'll I, talk about the game some more when we're talking about what we're playing. But I will say, every time you write a review and I read it, I'm like, this guy's been writing reviews since 2001, I can tell. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not before that. I can tell the difference between a 2001 reviewer and a 1998 reviewer. That's right. That's Wait, right. It's like a fine wine. That's yeah. right. That's right. Go sour beyond Ooh, that. That reeks of 2003. This guy yeah. has no idea what he's doing. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, but no, Only nice. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> different words. Like you can tell just from the, you know, from yep. the use of words back then. So, yep. And I still double space after my sentences. <clears throat> yeah. I do too. Did you? I, 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 think, I think we might be the only ones that do that, actually. At, actually, at one of the websites I, I uh, used to write for, um, there I we we would edit. You know, we would edit each other's or, or give edit suggestions before yeah. we would post it. Yeah. And this one girl was like, um, "People don't double space after sentences anymore." <laughs> I'm like, why what, "Really?" I'm like, "Why not? What's wrong with double space? Is that like offensive or something?" She's like, it's just not. It's just not grammatically correct anymore. I'm like, "All right." Wow. When so was it was for 6,000 years and yeah. then one day in the late 90s. Yeah. Yeah. So if you believe. Yeah, 2001. Yeah, 2001. Film. If you believe that sentences should be double spaced after the period, make sure you uh, tag us on Twitter. Yeah. Go ahead, Roger. Take it. At Gamerheads PC. Yeah. Because and, uh, and tell us why. Because I double space after every my, all my sentences. I can't. I can't. I have to. Because that's just how I was taught, and I cannot 
break that habit. So when was that, Mike? When were you told that? Because um, I think it was probably about maybe five, six years ago. Oh, okay. Because I was going to say, I, I have been doing that forever. So, yeah. Uh, okay. Well, yeah, we'll talk more about that game when we get there. Before we get into the games that we're playing and the interview at the end of the show, um, we do have an icebreaker. And this week's icebreaker is what is your craziest gaming moment or most memorable gaming moment? So, Mike, since this was your idea, it's always mine. Yeah. <laughs> Last week, I'm taking, I'm, I'm take, yeah, there, I've got a monopoly on the, uh, on the ideas. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody, shut up. It's my turn. It's my turn. <laughs> You're slowly taking over the show, by the way. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you for joining into the Gamer Mike podcast. <laughs> <laughs> And then, like, probably like three months from now, the entire podcast would just be us saying Mike over and over again. Yeah, that's right. Mike, that's Mike, it. Mike, 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 Mike. Be like Smurfs and just use Mike for every verb. <laughs> yeah. Was well, totally Mike. There we yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> really Mike that up. Yeah. <laughs> Mike. Mike. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'll go first. So I got two. I got two. The first one I'm going to say really quick, just because it happened. And this is what inspired the uh, question on Sunday for the very first time ever in any video game golf game ever played in my long life. I finally got a hole in one. Yes. And golf clapping way too loud. That's a golf clap moment, Roger. Thank you. I was so excited about it. It was like, you know, (laughs) You have that 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 puckerish feeling right before it happens. You know, you're like, oh, and then it and it was and it was it was fabulous. Not the not the puckering sensation, the the whole <laughs> the um. But yeah, it was a PGA Tour 2K21 on the Switch, which was the biggest mistake of my life because the Nintendo Switch is such an amazing console that a game like PGA Tour 2K21 is not able to save video clips. So the so only stupid. my only evidence. Of, of the hole in one was taking a screenshot of the uh of the scorecard yeah and that really at that point could be anybody right at that yeah at that point yeah i could have photoshopped that yeah, that's right. <laughs> so you know i but, love when you posted that in uh in the in their group chat and matt's like where's the video and you're like well that's the thing <laughs> yep yep it was on the switch <sighs> yeah but um, but that's okay because I because Kurt was there uh, and he witnessed it too. So okay, yeah. So anyways, uh, that was it. And then the other thing that uh, one of my uh, this is one of the craziest things that happened. Um, it was a Halo Two uh, experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were playing um, Capture the Flag on um, I don't know whatever that uh, big team battle Capture the Flag. And I forgot what's what stage it was. It was like the, the one with the big open field and the two bases at the ends, like l- almost looks like a canyon with mountains on the side. Oh, and yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. I know what you're talking about, but yeah, I don't know the name. Yeah. So, um, and I was driving um, the Warthog and I had a guy in the passenger seat and a guy in the gunner seat. And the other team had also had a Warthog and they had a guy in the dr- driving and a guy in the passenger seat and a guy in the gunner. And we played a game of chicken and like, we knew that we were going to play this game of chicken from the end of the map because we were both go heading right towards each other. And I'm like, the, the guys on my team are like, Hey, they're coming right at us. I'm like, I don't care. I'm not, I'm not swerving. He's going to swerve. 
So we're, we're going right at each other and we're about to crash head on when somebody at the other end of the map had fired a rocket launcher and the rocket <laughs> was perfectly timed. So the rocket was perfectly timed right as we crashed head to head and the rocket got sandwiched in between the two warthogs what? and exploded and just killed all of us. Wow. That, that sounds incredible. Crazy. Yeah. It was. Yeah, it was it was a totally random. It never happened again. Uh, but it was like that was just like one of those things where you just sit back and you're like, all right, you know what? I gotta appreciate that because that was that was wacky. That sounds like a hole in one in golf. That's I think it was better than that. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I don't think that'll ever happen because they they weren't even trying to do that. They were just they were shooting. I don't even, we don't even know what team they were on. It was just, <laughs> <laughs> there were just, just bodies everywhere. Just random was going rogue. We're yeah, that's all right. doing is I'm seeing this war dog come right at me, and I let a core of my eye rocket. <laughs> dude, just dude, just up on a cliff with a rocket launcher. Like this is right around where the east. We're gonna collide. I'm gonna try to time this shot perfectly, and yeah, yep, that's awesome. The, the entire game should have been over at that point, and that one person should have just won. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. So that's that's. I don't know if I had can top that story to tell you the truth, but I'm gonna let. Ed to try to top that story next. Um, I don't think I will top that story. And mine, I wouldn't say necessarily is like an exciting like action or clip like that. Um, but what came to mind right away was the incredible failure of Anthem. Um, <laughs> so Chris, um, who's on here from time to time, uh, was so pumped about this and like was on like the early releases and like beta testing and he was like this is gonna be awesome he bought me like a download code for my birthday oh, no. um and we maybe played it once oh no um it was just so bad uh, servers gameplay um so it was kind of like my ultimate letdown you know yeah um, i'm guessing it's kind of how people felt about cyberpunk a little bit uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't think it was. I don't think. I don't think cyberpunk was that bad. Even honestly, Roger's yeah. not allowed to talk about cyberpunk. <laughs> yeah, I'm not allowed. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, I liked the, that game. I thought it was good. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was good. Anyway, the fact that the developer just like killed it immediately. It yeah, wasn't even mm-hmm. trying to patch it or have you know DLC. Um, it was very telling that that game was not good. Yeah. That game went from being the most anticipated game in a really long time to being completely unsupported within about a week and a half. Yes. Nope. You like couldn't even get on servers. It was ridiculous. So that might not be my most like exciting moment or thing, but that's what came to mind. My favorite story of Anthem is that in July, somebody took screenshots uh, inside I don't know, one building or whatever. And there was still Christmas decorations hanging up in oh. July. And like, it, you could just tell, like, like they're not even patching it to take any of that stuff out. They're just like, whatever. We don't care. Jeez. It's- <laughs> I kind of want to download it since it's on EA Play or whatever, which is all part of Xbox Game Pass and give it a go just to see how much I actually do hate myself. <laughs> Maybe there'll be Christmas decorations. It'd, yeah. be like, it'd be like watching, seeing those pictures of like old malls that are now like abandoned. <laughs> yeah exactly if you've ever seen any of those you if you haven't seen any of those you really should they're really creepy to watch That's oh yeah they cool. are is it but was like, it a, oh sorry go ahead no it's okay but almost like 
just like odd. Like it's, it, I don't know. It's a, it's a really weird feeling because, you know, especially if you grew up with malls and stuff, now to yeah. see some of these old abandoned ones, it's, it's, it's pretty cool to look at. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to ask is was Anthem was an online game, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was it only, was there a single player version of that game? Do we know? Do you remember? I don't even remember. I believe there was, but it was kind of like Destiny where there were like hubs that you could hang out in, I think, okay. and interact with other people, and then you could go off and do your own thing. Uh, the reason I ask, because when Mike brought that, the the abandoned malls, like, can you just imagine you go into like Anthem and there's like one person walking around? <laughs> like, yeah, looking exactly. for teams. Yes. Looking for teams. <laughs> And they're like, finally, somebody else is here. Oh, oh that would goodness. be rough. Yeah. Immediate friend like, request. They, they, yeah, they try to be your best friend, and you'd yeah. be like, uh, now you got to be this guy's best friend because, yeah. <laughs> like, I just accidentally downloaded it. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I no, yeah. I meant to play a different game. I, I, oh no, I'm sorry. By the way, if you are interested in abandoned malls, please you can tweet <laughs> Gamerheads on Twitter <laughs> and tell us about your uh, random abandoned mall experience how can they do that roger gamerheads pc what is you want us you want people to tweet us random stuff don't you i I, tweet's a tweet man i like interaction (laughs) i'm gonna i'm gonna wake up at like two o'clock in the morning to these really strange tweets like this one time i went to the mall i don't know what you're talking about Billings, Montana, you should see that place. It's just oh, yeah. an absolute shell of its former self, but the clock in the middle of it still works. Yeah, it still works. <laughs> I just want to know, yeah, where they are. <laughs> They're cool to check out, or maybe an abandoned amusement park. Ooh, abandoned amusement park. Oh, that would be... Got some Left 4 Dead 2 vibes on that. Oh. Or Joker vibes. I'll go either way with it. Yeah uh i think said what about you phil do you have a memorable or crazy gaming moment i don't know why you laugh when you ask me that question but um first off i just want to say mike i'm insanely jealous of your hole in one in pga 2k21 i haven't done it yet i think it might be the only golf game i've ever played that i do not have a hole in one yet in yet Mm. well thank you yeah I went back and I was looking, I was actually cleaning up because I got the notification from Xbox today as I clipped something saying that like my memory was almost full for game clips. So I went back and started cleaning things up. I saw a hole in one in Rory McIlroy. I saw a hole in one in uh, Power Star, whatever the hell the name of that game was. Like I have hole in ones in almost every other golf game I've played and I don't have one in 2K21 yet. So I'm pretty jealous. Have you played Mario Golf? Why? any Mario? No, I'm just asking. I'm just asking. I'm yeah, at, I have it on the 64. Did you get a hole in one in that game? I would venture to say yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. No, I just I'm I want to I want to see the depth of your golf games, and I want to if you said every game, I want to ask every game you played, a golf game you played, did you get a hole in one? That's why I'm asking want, that question. You want me to find a Hot Shots clip to upload later? Because I can <laughs> do that. Because I know I've got one in Hot Shots as well. I do actually. I do. You should <laughs> Outlaw Golf. Ooh, I yeah. still own Outlaw Golf. There you go. Uh, okay, um, Phil. What is your craziest? Yeah. For my story, the one that stands out in my head, it would have been in the early days of Overwatch. Uh, it would have been shortly after myself and a friend of mine met Kylan Carrington, who decided to randomly join our game. Another person just accepted their request, and the rest of my life has been absolute history at this point. Um, but we were doing a... I had never hit gold before in Overwatch. I was always middle to high silver 
And we got to the point where I was like one win away from gold. And it was one of the maps where it's uh, best of three, essentially. It's both teams have to capture the objective, hold it for a certain amount of time, kind of king of the hilly. And so the first game goes down. I don't remember who won the first game, but it was 99 to 99 going into overtime round one, whatever fought it out, one team won. Next game, again, goes 99% to 99%, fought it out, other team won. So we've hit 99 draws both times. If I lose this, I'm now two wins back away from getting gold. Third, game's ha- third game happens, again, we both hit 99s, and it was a stalemate at 99 for no exaggeration. 10 to 15 minutes, we just kept passing control of the, of the point back and forth. Oh. Finally, we got it. I hit gold. It was a big celebration. It was one of the best nights I've ever had of playing Overwatch, and it was the first time I ever hit gold. And that moment will probably stick with me until my dementia fully kicks in. Mm. <laughs> that's awesome. That's cool. That's that is... yeah. That's like that. That is crazy because like the feeling that you get, you're like, it just keeps getting more and more and more intense. Mm. Yeah, and it was just the four of us yelling at each other over headsets the entire time. Like, <laughs> you gotta flank this guy. This guy's heading it over there. Get your over there. And like, oh shit, I died. I'm on my way. I'll be there in three seconds. Just hold the point for three seconds. Like literally screaming. My girlfriend's in bed going, What the hell's going on out there? That's awesome. I was like, Overwatch. But it was it was super intense, super <laughs> fun, and one of the most rewarding victories of all time. That's really cool. Uh that's a really good story. Nice. Um, for me, um, yeah, when you I, discovered Knights of Camelot was still available last week. I did. I know. Yeah. Uh, Dark Age of Camelot. Thank you very oh, much. Oh, sorry. Yes. Uh, I have not downloaded it yet, though, just because I was like, well, do I really? I <laughs> Okay. The graphics at the time were really great. <laughs> now I'm looking at it, I'm like, oh. Um, although I could tell the story. I'll tell the story. So in Dark Age of Camelot. So I think I mentioned last week. <laughs> that you would have, you know, the different factions fighting against each other, right? And this one battle, we were marching through this elvish land and, uh, and it was the Calvary of Vengeance and was led by like a second lieutenant person. It was not led by one of the top people, but he was leading a, a charge in there and I was with them as their healer. And we got ambushed by a bunch of elves and he freaked out and he was like, just everybody run. And we took off running and I ran for these woods and I hid in these woods and these elves killed everybody else in my party, except for me. And they're hunting around for me because they knew that I was still there. And I was like, oh my gosh, they're going to find me. They're going to find me. And then the rest of the cavalry came and like chased them off. And then I came out and I resurrected everybody. And it was awesome. It was <laughs> such a, <laughs> I felt, I felt bad that, I left them because like, but we were out. Done. Yeah. 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 It had to be done, but it was cool because I was hiding in these, in these woods and they couldn't see me. They couldn't find me. And they were like looking all over. And I mean, it just felt like everything in that game felt like a Lord of the Rings moment. <laughs> like, that game. It was really cool. I love that game a lot. I think one other. Tell. One other, I think I mentioned this. I, yeah, I think I mentioned this another time where the developers just kind of got bored. I think, and they just threw a giant into the game that you couldn't beat, and they threw it nice. into the lower level area. So, you know, so like there's cities where lower levels like hang out because that's where like all the monsters are that you'd fight at lower levels of between levels like one and ten, right? And then you move on to another zone. So this was a low level zone, and all of a sudden 
you could see in the distance this thing walking through the forest and you're just like what the heck is that and there would just be a horde of people coming in to that zone just tons and tons of people heading towards the direction of whatever that big thing was and all of a sudden it came into view and it was this big giant he was taking this club and just swinging and all these people that were rushing to get him would just go flying up in the air and i was like and I watched it for a while. Then I was like, I probably should leave. And then I hopped on my horse and got out of there. But it was really cool. It was really cool. cool. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, so, yeah, those were our gaming moments. Listeners, if you have a gaming moment. <laughs> what can they do if they have a gaming moment, Roger? <laughs> they can send us a tweet at GamerHeadsPC. They could also send us an email, too, at info at GamerHeadsPodcast.com. Can they leave us a message on Facebook? Uh, they could leave. They actually could leave us a Facebook <laughs> message as well. If that's where you, you know, hang out. If you hang out on Facebook, I personally don't hang out on Facebook all that much. So it might be two months before I see your message, but I'll get your message and eventually. What uh, if they happen to want to talk to you while you're streaming? Oh, that's true. They could follow us on Twitch at, at twitch.tv slash gamerheadspodcast. And they could also go to GamerHeadsPodcast.com and just leave us a message there, too. That's a possibility as well. We're ubiquitous. Yeah. Yeah. We're everywhere. We're everywhere. Uh, well, that's that's how we became known as the top 80 podcasts <laughs> to be listening to in 2021. Yeah. Yes, that's right. That's right. Uh, all right. Well, let's go into games that we're currently playing. And uh, we'll start with you, Ed. What games um, are you playing? I've actually played a, another game other than Destiny. Whoa. So this is a big change for me. Uh, wow. Yeah. Uh, I'm putting on my seatbelt. Yep. <laughs> uh, on the edge of my seat. I actually just downloaded a set. And so I'm <laughs> starting that. Um, we'll see how that goes. Um, but other than that, I have been playing um, Spaghetti Freddy 2.0. Oh, or is, it, nice. or is it Freddy Spaghetti? Freddy Spaghetti. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's it's actually a lot of fun. Like it's just such like a simple game. Um, uh, it reminds me of like the uh, like the Tiger games you would get, you know, back in the day, but with better graphics, like a few buttons, <laughs> yeah. and like that's all you can do. Um, uh, but it's amazingly fun and just like a good way to pass some time and, um. Uh, I mean, if you're in like a Zoom meeting, perhaps, and you're getting bored, <laughs> um, you can play it on the side without a problem. That's true. You could. How 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 far did you get, Ed? Have you? Did you I think play? I'm on like level thirty. Okay. Maybe? Nice. Wow. You're almost second, done. Second foosball. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I love the. We might we might be uh, we might be going into the tales of the eShop, but that's okay. I love I love the the office theme. I thought that was really mm-hmm. great. I loved how it had the opening music and everything and the screenshots and and then you had the secretary character and then the uh the slacker type character, right? Like and Freddie brings them together. I, I just thought it was awesome. And you feel like you made a love connection. Yeah. Wait, yeah. did you you haven't finished the game if you think Freddie brought them together? Oh, I haven't Ooh. I haven't brought I haven't finished it. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. <laughs> spoilers. I'm covering my ears. No spoilers. <laughs> but yeah, I love that game too. Uh cool. Anything else, Ed? Um, that's kind of I mean, Destiny. I'm also playing. Um, <laughs> I just mixed in some of the few other games uh, this week. Nice. Trying to get a little variety. Nice. 
Nice. Cool. Thanks. Uh, what about you, Mike? What have you been playing? So I so let's go. Uh, let's talk about some Red Colony too. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So I'll say I never played the first Red Colony, but now I'm interested in going back to, going back to check out the story. So if you listened to the show last week, uh, I did briefly touch on it. <laughs> Pun intended. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, We're all and, thirteen at heart. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> Uh, the game is essentially a side-scrolling Resident Evil or Dino Crisis, um, although it's 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 ridiculously sexualized in its women. And I want to uh, take this time to thank Roger for um, giving me some very helpful information because I was conserving my health in the game because I thought the game was going to be pretty tough and I didn't want to lose as much health and possibly get game over. But Roger told me that the more you get hurt in the game, the more uh, your character's clothes uh, get ripped off. <laughs> You're welcome. Good health indicator. Yes. Right. Well, yep. if you, when you when you get your health back, your clothes comes back on. Your clothes. Yeah, come back that's on. the downside. Yeah. But, but that's uh, why you just go to like one hit from death all the time. You're just yep. like, well, I suppose I need to heal now. Living on the edge. That's yep. right. Uh, but the thing that really made me smile about the gamer are, are is just the the love letter that it is to Resident Evil and mm -hmm. uh, and and those types of survival horror games. There's even like nods to Resident Evil in the game mm -hmm. itself. It's not it's, it's pretty on the nose. It's pretty it, you you'd have to look uh, you'd have to try pretty hard to miss some of the homages. Um, it's not a perfect game, you know. Like I said, like I had in the review, it's uh, there's there's some glitching, there's some wonkiness to it. Um, the uh, the shotgun is I don't understand why the shotgun is not as powerful as it should be. Um, it took me like four shots to kill a zombie with a with a shotgun. You're just um, not using it right. That's why. Apparently, no, no, I was aiming up because you can aim up up and down and aim at their aim at the zombie's face and whatnot. Um, it's <laughs> very shot or. That? you know buckshot or uh, slugs maybe that's oh. the issue yeah well there's only one type of ammo i don't think it made that <laughs> much of a difference um but it was it was definitely enjoyable i mean the game was made by one person and so you have to take that into consideration when playing the game you also take it into consideration that this like people who get offended at this this kind of game um don't get it and i don't want to sound yeah. like a like somebody who watches rick and morty um but you know you don't understand like this is not made in the sense that you think it is it's made as kind of just as like as a joke to those types of games yeah. how they were made how the how the female characters were were created and in, in everything in those games um but it's uh it, it's it's it was definitely an interesting uh, interesting uh uh, game interesting story story uh really took some weird turns but and and, and I, I didn't think a side scrolling survival horror game would actually scare me and this one did a few times um so had some good jump scares so um if you're really 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 into those types of games and you love like b horror movies and cheesy horror movies and stuff like that you might want to look into uh giving it a uh giving giving it a uh, download and i think the whole thing maybe takes about three to four to five hours maybe yeah beat there's also a hidden uh a secret ending so oh, nice so, yeah so but you you have to do some uh, uh you have to, there's a few secrets you have to find in order to do that yeah i i think that's a good comparison like it's supposed to be campy it's supposed to be like a b movie right like mm -hmm. and it's a it's a parody so like yeah i i would 
Yeah, I would definitely like if you're going to go into this game, know that that's what you're getting into. So, yep. yeah, nice. Anything else, Mike? Uh, and then aside from playing PGA Tour, uh, the only other game I played, I'm actually going to issue a challenge on if anybody's interested. Um, so I downloaded uh, Xbox game with gold was Midway Arcade Origins mm-hmm. right now. So um, if you have uh, Xbox gold, then go ahead and get that game because it's a collection of amazing classic arcade games by Midway. Uh, and I played um, my second favorite game on that collection. Uh, and that is uh, one of my favorite games of all time. Um, although I prefer the Budweiser version. But Tap- this oh, game. Root Beer Tapper. Root Beer Tapper. <laughs> so I've been playing a lot of Root Beer Tapper. Um, so I, uh, that's another game that, that I really, really enjoy. I really like that one. Um, for the, if you've never heard of it, you're basically a bartender and you need to fill, um, mugs with root beer and, uh, pass it out to the people that are slowly working their way towards you at the bar. And, uh, you need to collect the empty mugs as they slide them back to you. And you can't let a person get to you, or you can't let one of the mugs fall. And if you do, you lose a life. So my challenge is this, I earned a score. It's not, it's, it's a pretty good score. It's, you know, for me, it is a should be pretty easy for a lot of people to beat but my score my top score was 58,500 58,500 yes so it's written down the game like i said it's a it's an xbox game with gold game if you got if you've uh got you know um xbox gold xbox live gold then you have no reason not to get it and listeners if you can beat the score of 58,500, uh, how can they how can they tell us about it, Roger? Yeah, they could they could send they could send a tweet at Gamerheads PC with the picture. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny that you said that, Mike. I feel like this is the funniest thing. I feel like you and I are like the same person or the same soul. Like I feel like we were born under the same moon because I done all of that. Aren't guess we what all? The, the, yeah, that's a good point. That's a, good point, actually. <laughs> that's a really good point, Phil. Sorry. I think we're all built. Yeah, you're right. I just blew my mind. Um, no, that was the first game I played, too. I went to download it. I was like, oh, Tapper, absolutely. I love this game. Uh, and then I realized, oh, my God, this is a lot harder than I remember it. That's a tough uh, game. It is a tough uh-huh. game. Yeah. I, I played that in there's a there's an arcade in Madison that had it. And I was like, oh, I got to go play it. And it was one of these arcades that you pay the $5, no, $15. Uh, yeah. And then it's all you can play, right? And nobody, this is sad, but nobody really spends any time in the retro section of the arcade. Like, right. like nobody else is there. Um, but I was like, ooh, Tapper. And I will say, like, those, if they're used, like, very much, like, the, it's, the joystick is very loose, and it's really hard mm-hmm. to play. Well, the original, your joystick is the tapper, the tapper. Yeah. 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 That's like, what, that's what I meant to say. It's beat like, up pretty it's, easily because it is. Could, yeah. yeah. It's loose and it feels grimy. <laughs> Probably yeah. like a real tapper, right? Probably just like a real tapper. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so many things. <laughs> just so many things. Um, here's, this is going to be my recommendation, though. If you do download the game, you could change the controls right now. Uh, when the default is the A button is to fill up the mugs. Yeah. I would I would switch to the trigger button. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. I will do that. But yeah, no, that was the first game I played was Root Beer Tapper. The second one I played was some kind of 
uh it was a top down you know you're a little tech guy i don't remember and it looked like like akari warriors kind of but not mm-hmm. akari warriors i just don't remember what the game was and it wasn't Commando? as uh, it was something like that um but it wasn't been capcom it's yeah Commando was capcom yeah something along those lines though right, right? um and it just wasn't as good as like commando or akari warriors like it was like yeah okay you know what the funny thing is i after i played tapper i played uh smash tv yeah smash mm-hmm. tv was on there too yeah and playing the arcade version i prefer the super nes version really a million times wow. over the arcade the controls to me are a lot tighter on the super nintendo version than on the mm. arcade one. Ooh, can you play multiplayer only can oh couch couch multiplayer yeah you could do couch multiplayer but no online oh that's too bad yeah that would been awesome they've been really fun yeah cool anything else that is all uh phil yes sir what have you been playing i've actually played i've had a very healthy gaming week this week wow um, so obviously I've played the usuals of the show and, uh, golf, um, much like Ed, I also started the ascent today. Oh, nice. Cause it was finally available today. And I gotta say that game's super pretty and it plays really fun. I didn't make it very far. I want to say I stuck about an hour into it or so. Um, but I'm really enjoying it. Carrington and I played it co-op and the co-op worked really good for the most part. There was a couple of times there were some hiccups and some glitches, but it's, uh, it's like gauntlet. Is it on Game Pass? Yeah, it's on Game Pass. Oh, it is. Okay. And it's it's optimized for the Series X and Series S. It's role-playing, gamey, shooting. You're essentially an indentured servant, I believe, was the term that they used. And you are finally had enough of the corporation or trying to take it over. Actually, the mines have been overran by these things. And you're trying to do that. You collect bounties throughout the course of it as well, and you can start cashing on bounties to get more of the currency that's used. Uh, it's been a really good time so far. I'm looking forward to spending some more time with it. Um, also, I played a little bit more of Death's Door. I beat the Witch Queen person with the with a pot on her head, and now I'm going after the Frog Guy. Game still Ooh. does not disappoint, and I recommend everybody take a look at that game, especially if you're a cheap person. Wait till it goes on sale, I guess. <laughs> but I, it's worth the twenty dollars. There's no doubt in my mind about that one. Mm-hmm. And then I also decided, because I've got a bunch of random games downloaded on the Xbox, that I wanted to check out Enter the Gungan. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And I'm kind of enjoying that, but it's a lot more difficult than I anticipated it being. It's Mike's least favorite word of a game, not Steampunk, the other one. But the game played it super tight, and it really works out well, and there's a lot of amusing stuff that goes on in the game. A uh, lot of shooting, obviously. you got five different classes that you can play as. It's all got that 16-bit feel to it. Soundtrack's pretty groovy and pretty neat. First boss battle, not the first first boss battle, but the first boss battle after the tutorial boss battle was it's a giant crow with like a, with a minigun. And after you kill him, a bunch of other crows jump on him and eat his corpse and he disappears. And that made me chuckle pretty heavily. There's some, there's some witty stuff going on in the game, too. I'll, uh, I'll be spending more time with that one as well. Nice. Yeah, uh, and it's roguelike. Mike does not like roguelikes. Yeah, so. I shake my fist at roguelikes. Yeah, he does. I didn't say the word. He did not. I want to save my progress, damn it. Yeah. Yeah, that's not a thing. Yeah. Uh, Very cool. Anything else? 
I mean, Freddy Spade too. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll talk. I mean, we'll get into that when we go into the my, uh, Tales from the eShop. Um, so for myself, uh, Freddy Spaghetti 2. Uh, and then a little bit of the Midway arcade game as well, because I played a little bit of that, um, as we mentioned. Uh, I have been playing, guys, one of my favorite games of all time. Of all Mary, time. Mary-Kate and Ashley drive, get their driver's licenses? Yes. No, it's the horse one. Oh, the, okay. Yes. Well, They go to the them. riding farm. When you the best one is when they when they do the crossover when they get the horses and the cars together it's amazing they get a car with a wagon they throw their horses in the back and take it's, their show on the road yes it's amazing I'm in yeah it's great it was only on Game Boy Color but it was fantastic speaking of, one of those. games on Game Boy Color I have no I have no problem admitting actually I should I probably never should admit this but I'm doing it anyways I purchased the N Sync game for the Game Boy Color nice <laughs> was it okay. back to the show N Sync back to the show. Yeah, not for me. Uh huh. <laughs> I did purchase it. Uh huh. Uh-huh. friend. Did you beat it? Uh, I don't, it was a pretty tough game, you know. I mean, um, no, I. <laughs> Maybe I can stream uh, that because I think I still have it. I bought it for my wife when we were dating. Yeah. Did it have jiggle physics? I, I'll have to check on that. It's in some areas, I'm sure. I think Lance <laughs> had uh, some good jiggling going on. Yeah uh no uh one of my favorite games of all times going back to to my favorite games of all times is a game that's true to my heart because it's like one of the first games i played on the nes well i shouldn't say one of the first games but one of the one of my fondest memories should have brought this up actually uh is blaster master Mm -hmm. so i played a lot of blaster master on the nes and i will never forget uh my neighbor, who was probably about seven years older than me, so I was probably eight, and he was probably like 15, 16, something like that, and he was over, and most times, like, it was a really hard game, we'd be like, Todd, beat this game for us, and then he would play it, right, and uh, and Blaster Master was one of those games, because Blaster Master, there was no saving, um, it, was, it was really hard, it was a really tough game, and we made it to the final boss, and we died. And it was like the most heartbreaking thing. Thankfully, thankfully, they remade the Blaster Master games and called them Blaster Master Zero. And they made a trilogy. Although I, I do think there is a there is a Blaster Master 2 that was out on Sega Genesis, I want to say. I thought the second one was, was it on the Genesis? I thought the second one was still on the Nintendo. Well, I, but I could be very wrong. It could have been in both. I've seen it on, True. I've seen a box. I, and I'm pretty sure it was a Genesis box, but anyway, okay. they came out with a trilogy uh, and there's save spots on it. And the first two games have been out. Well, the first one released with the switch, which was one of the first launch games on the switch, which is pretty cool. Then the second game came out shortly after that. And I'm reviewing the third game and it is nice. really good. And I absolutely love it. And it ties in all the stuff from the first game and the second game. Um, you're traveling to Sophia, the, the, the planet where this all starts, trying to save your friend Eve. And, uh, and all hell breaks out. But like, I won't talk about the story because that will ruin it for people. But, um, but the gameplay is so tight. It's so good. And it's just, it's a, it's a great platformer. 
Uh, there is save spots. There are save states. And I'm like, oh, thank goodness. It's so great. But if you've never played Blaster Master, do yourself a favor and play the remakes. Because, I mean, as a kid, when I played this game, the fact that you could drive in this little tank and then hop out of this tank as this little guy and then go into these uh, dungeons and then it's like then it's top down right so the rest of the game is side scroller as you're playing as a, as a tank and then it's top down when you go into these dungeons as the is the guy and it's like a close-up of him right so he's like much bigger on the screen you can't see my hands because it's all podcast but <laughs> when you play like your character is really small when you're when you're playing the side scroller but then yeah when you go in the dungeons it's much bigger it's such a great game and it's such a cool they kept a lot of the cool stuff about the game, like the fact that you pick up power power ups for your weapons. So as you go around, you'll pick up these little power ups and you have a gauge that you fill up. And then as you get hit, that gauge goes down. So then your gun, your weapon decreases. Do you remember that, Mike? Um, And then you can increase that as well. Um, So they have that. And then they have, you know, in Sophia, the the tank that you drive, there's upgrades that you can do for that. and there's different weapons. It's such a it's such a good game. It's such a good game. And the story, oh man, it's so good. It is so good. It's ah. If you want if you want to know what if you want to know what good retro gaming is like, and taking a game and upgrading it, but still keeping that retro feel, Blaster Master is the game. Blaster Master is, is that on NES Online too? Uh is the original Blaster Master on NES? Yeah. I do not know. I oh, it is. Yes, it is. For some reason, I thought it was. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, and that does have save states because you Mm -hmm. you could save it by using the top two uh buttons, right? And just basically pausing, saying, "Save my game here." Um, For those listening and not watching, which is everybody in the four of us, Roger was making quotation marks yes, there. Yes, I, I was making quotation marks. No, I was, I was hitting the top two shoulder buttons. Uh, I'm 99% sure that is on the uh, on the Switch Online. Uh, and then if you are, if you do have a Wii, and as you can't access the Wii shop anymore, but there was the Blaster Master Overdrive as well, um, <laughs> which was on the Wii, uh, Wii shop. Was that what it was called? The Wii shop? We shop, we wear, we wear was yeah. the it was a we wear game, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, that was probably a weird, weird name for that, but it was a great, it's a great game. Uh, and then one last game I'll talk about here, and then we'll go into the Tales from the eShop, which ties into Tales of the eShop, Mike. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played some Microsoft Flight Simulator and learned a couple things. One, I can't fly a plane, plane that's that's for sure. Uh, fly yes land no <laughs> always the hard part that's right top gun all over again that's right but i found my house i flew past my house and i took a screenshot of my house and i was like there's our house and i showed i showed my wife i'm like there's our house and she's like it is i was like yeah see you can tell she's like i, I kinda yeah kinda there's no swing set that's not our house. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, that's not put up yet, actually, Phil. So, oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Actually, Still my wife. Up. Yeah, yeah, thanks, thanks, Phil. Thanks. <laughs> uh, no, we got right after we all said Roger was perfect. And then <laughs> yeah, the swing set's right. not that's up right. yet, and that's here right. it all goes. The tower is partly up. The tower is partly up. I'll just say that. Um, and the ground needs to be tilled again before I actually put it up. Put it up. But anyway, yeah. 
that was that was the other game I played this week. Tilling 101, <clears throat> farming simulator, tilling 101. Uh, yeah, we I tilled a 26 by 26 foot area for this swing set to be put in because our ground is like not level. It's all like not level at all. So I'm tilling it up and then leveling it out as best as I can so we can put up a swing set so my kids, like the thing doesn't topple over on my kids or something, I guess. Like that, that's probably the right thing to do. Anyway, uh, yeah. So, so you know, I, I will say this about the flight simulator. Simulator. Um, I was super excited about it. It came out in Game Pass. That's why I'm playing on the Xbox Series S. Uh, it plays well. It looks really good. I'm kind of bored with it already. Well, there's yeah, you fly. You fly. That's most flight simulators, yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Flying. Now, if they combined Flight Simulator with Star Fox, yeah. you could like, go and like blow up your house and stuff like that. Yeah. That'd or even hard. give you some rings to fly through. Yeah. yeah. Or do like an Independence Day situation. Now that, there you go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Actually, it's funny that you say that because I was flying and I was like pretending I was shooting things. <laughs> <laughs> Roger on the couch with controller. Exactly. Pew, pew. And uh, you know the flight instructor said, "What are what are you doing? I'm flying and shooting at things. I'm saving the world. What are you doing?" Um, yeah. So that's those are the games I've been playing. Let's move in then to the tales from the eShop. Every week, Mike digs dives deep into the eShop, searching amongst the muck to find the game. The, the 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 i don't know what would you say the most the best of the best the best of the best the cream of the crop and i mean mike this is this is hard work and i appreciate every week you put in that time to find the games um, daunting last week we picked you picked the game friday spaghetti 2.0 mm-hmm. and uh ed you talked about it i talked a little bit about it mike did you play that game not yet, but I will okay. say this: it's currently on sale on the eShop. Oh, yeah, that's why oh, I picked I'm it up. Pick, yeah, I'm, I, I need to pick it up. Yeah, Phil, you played it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. And uh, it's pretty spaghetti. It's awesome. <laughs> it's a really, really good time and well worth the four dollars. It's forty levels worth of you being a a, a cognizant spaghetti noodle. Uh, game starts out with a nice little office montage because Freddie got a job. Actually, it was pretty amusing the way that it all starts out. It's like, in case you were wondering how Freddy Spaghetti became a thing, you're like, gonna have to go back and play the first game. We're not gonna tell you all about it. Yeah. So, like Freddy's next step in evolution is obviously, well, actually, we made another spaghetti, but this time we gave him something to do. We got him a job, cuts into a quote unquote office style intro, including the logo with the spaghetti standing in front of a guy sitting in a chair. Um, as you play through, you play literally as a spaghetti noodle. Your two triggers control the two ends of the noodle. Depending on how long you hold them down is how far you jump. And it gives you various different tasks. In this one, anything from swimming through a fish tank to playing ping pong to playing foosball to nudging one of the coworkers to go talk to the secretary that he's clearly got a thing for to... Uh, playing paper basketball to rearranging one of the storage space rooms. Uh, also a lot of, I shouldn't say a lot, but you have to type on a keyboard a couple of times to do some programming. Uh, it It's broken up into four seasons. Each season is 10 episodes, we'll call them, also known as levels long. 
the voice acting is pretty spot on. The graphics are what they are. They're nothing that's going to blow you away, but they're definitely fitting for, for the entire style of the game. Um, I enjoyed the first Freddy Spaghetti a lot. I enjoyed this one a little bit more, I would say. I would honestly say I think it's easier than the first Freddy Spaghetti. Oh, wow. But I think the storytelling was a little bit more in-depth in this one. They put a lot more work into the production values of it. Um, but yeah, it's Freddy Spaghetti. I think it's currently on sale for $3.99 on the Nintendo eShop as well as potentially Microsoft. I don't know. I didn't look there. That's for sure. Wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> And if you do happen to get it on the Xbox, you definitely don't get 25 achievement points for every level that you complete, giving you a quick thousand achievement points for about an hour and a half worth of your time. That's also for sure. Yeah. (laughs) I have no idea what you're talking about. Nope, me neither. Um, But yeah, I dug Freddy Spaghetti, and I really appreciate the fact that Mike gave me that one because, Mike, your hard efforts really have kind of like... You give me a lot of games that are not the greatest to play. This one was a lot of fun to play. So much fun that everybody else decided to suffer with me with what I have to play through with what you give me. You know what? I'll be honest. I loved, loved the first Freddy Spaghetti just because it was Mm -hmm. just such a random style of game. And um, when I saw that, I didn't even know that there was a second one in the works. And when I saw it on the list, I was like, and I know we talked about it on um, one of the old shows we did. And I'm like, when I talked about it and we were so excited to play it, I'm like, this game deserves more press. Like this game deserves yes. the word of mouth. So anybody who's listening to the show, just, ch- just look into it, look into Freddy spaghetti one, Freddy spaghetti two, because it's such a, such a fascinating game. Um, and really go get the first one too, because the first one yeah. plays just like the second one. It, like I said, it's a little bit more difficult, but it still has that exact same sense of humor. It's all spot on. Right. And it's a physics based game, kind of like I am bread or Octo <laughs> dad traveler or whatever it's called. Um, <laughs> Yes. Yeah, very close. Very yeah, close. something like that. But no, it, it's but it's again, it's like it's a, I I I beat the game, the first Freddy Spaghetti, in one sitting, and I can't remember the last time I went through an entire game in one sitting. So um, it's I did it's, that with this one as well. I sat down to play it, and next thing I knew, I was done with it. It was just like, oh, I could use another forty levels worth of Freddy Spaghetti. Keep telling the story. Yeah, I would have done the same, uh, except for I had this podcast to do. Oh, so yeah, I had sorry. To stop playing. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Different Ed. podcast, right, Ed? Exactly. Yeah, not, not this one. Totally yeah. different one. Yeah, but it's, you're on it's another the Head podcast. Gamers podcast. Head yeah. <laughs> Gamers. You have another podcast, Ed? No. The yeah, the Mike the Mike Heads podcast. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah. I'm a production assistant on the Mike Heads. There we go. <laughs> exactly. Uh very cool. Well, Mike, what is the game this week? So, all right. So here is the game. So the games that I've been picking out lately are the ones that just hit the eShop. So, you know, brand new game, you know, want to get some sales, want to get some word of mouth. So I figured, what the heck? I'll look at the list of games that are out this week. I'll pick a brand new game. Uh, Phil, your game is uh, an interesting one. It's it's $4.99. I always like to keep it within a nice budget. I appreciate that. No problem. Um, Now, if you thought that Microsoft Flight Simulator was hard, well then, my friend, this is for you. <laughs> this game is called Easy Flight Simulator. <laughs> okay. Just like, like Sunday morning. It's easy like Sunday morning. <laughs> All right, here we go. Uh, now, well, I'll just get into it. Have you ever dreamed to take commands 
of fantastic planes like Jet, Super Jumbo, Cargo, or Stunt Plane. This game is a real flight simulator with commands designed to be easily taken over at all age. Fly... <laughs> That's right. Your commands, yes. The commands are all age. I'll repeat this again. This game is a real flight simulator, not one of those fake flight simulators. Not one of those flight simulator simulators. This game is a real flight simulator with commands designed to be easily taken over at all age. All right. Here we go. Broke uh, Roger. Yeah. Fly from... <laughs> Fly from checkpoints to checkpoints, showing your pilot skills in different weather and time of the day conditions and complete, <laughs> and complete all levels. If you always wanted to fly but thought it was overcomplicated, this game will prove you can do it. I'm afraid to read the instruments in the dash or in the in the cockpit as I fly this plane. After what you just read to me, easy flight simulator. <laughs> I love. I'm I all love, over that. I love the uh, time. What was it the time conditions and all time conditions? Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's great. Uh, and if you thought, if you thought that flying was too complicated, this game will prove you wrong. You can do it, Phil. Yes. I really hope so. I mean, I've only played Ace Combat games, so uh, oh boy, this could yeah. be a challenge. This week, Easy Flight Simulator. Next week, you're flying around the world, Phil. Yep. This is the start of my new career. To hell with That's working good. my ass off in a kitchen in 99 degree weather. That's right. You're going to be flying. To be in an air-conditioned cockpit. That's right. <laughs> flying at any time condition. Any yeah. time condition. I mean, it's a real flight simulator. It's a real one, not like these fake ones. No. That's good. But it is I, easy. Uh, I'm going to look for your house as I play it. <laughs> <laughs> look for that swing set. Yeah. <laughs> won't be there. It won't be there. By the way, Roger, quick question. Yeah. Um, if anybody wants to play this game and give their opinion about it, <laughs> <laughs> just out of curiosity, how can they go about doing that? Yeah, they could leave us a tweet at GamerHeads PC. Wow. Uh, they could also send us an email at info at GamerHeadsPodcast.com or leave us a message at GamerHeadsPodcast.com as well. That's true. That is true. Uh, I am really looking forward to hearing about this game. So this game releases on the 29th. Oh, is it? The 29th? 31st. No, 31st. The 31st. So sorry. So, so it's set out for two days? Yeah. Oh, man. You're gonna have to what am I going to do bit. to pass the time? Yeah. Well. Not gonna be playing Microsoft Flight Simulator. Let me tell you, this one's a real one. You're not. Well, gonna... that that one's gonna be way too difficult. I'm gonna save it for easy mode. That's true. That's true. Uh, very good. Well, thanks, Mike. Mike, I know I appreciate you digging through that every week and find that's that's hard work, and you know your time is valuable, and I appreciate it. Well, you know, it's uh, I, I do it for the audience. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, your service is well received, or I, something. I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll take that. Well, you know, <laughs> I uh, yeah, I got nothing. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Uh, all right. Before we head out, then why don't we go around and tell people how they can get a hold of us? And Ed, how can do you have social media? Do you have anything? Can people well, get a hold on of you? Twitter? Ooh, it's at Edward underscore O'Keefe. O-K-E-E-F-E. 
Um, and then you can always uh, email me at edward at gamerheadspodcast.com. I'm going to be tweeting you. Can't wait. Every tweet I send out, I'm going to tag you in it. It's going to be amazing. Excellent. I will yeah. be sure <laughs> yeah. to mute You're going to love it. Yeah. <laughs> uh mike how can people get a hold of you you can find me on twitter and at twitch at tc throwers that's right and um do you have any plans for another twitch wrestling uh match it's it's gonna happen sometime soon i gotta get it all planned out i'm hoping to to really uh push things out um to the next uh what is it SummerSlam is coming up Oh yeah. And there's supposed to be some big announcements during that time. So nice. Very cool. Uh, and Phil, how can people follow you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at BNow23. And listeners, you can follow us on Twitter. If you didn't know, at this point <laughs> you, you haven't, haven't listened heard. to the show. Yeah, if you haven't heard. <laughs> Word on the street is there's a Twitter account for this it's, show. Uh, it's at Gamerheads PC. So you can send us a tweet there. You can also follow us on facebook at facebook.com slash gamerheads podcast you can also follow us on our website at gamerheadspodcast.com where you can read mike's review of red colony 2 and other reviews as well and you can also send us an email at info at gamerheadspodcast.com and you can also follow us at twitch at twitch www.twitch.tv slash Twitch. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah, there's no <laughs> at at that. There's no at in front of that. Uh, you know, this is me learning about the internet. I you know I'm old. So. <laughs> you got me. You sound like me. Yeah. Uh well, Phil, thank you so much for joining us this week. I really appreciate appreciate you having me. Oh, well, I appreciate I said always at the beginning. I'm changing this up now. I'm yeah. always in at the beginning and I'm gonna say something stupid at the end. Well, I appreciate and Jerry the middle too. Thank you. I appreciate that. I didn't say I appreciate you. I said I appreciate you having me. There's a difference. Oh, that's touche. Mike. (laughs) Hi. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Uh okay. And (laughs) Ed, thank you so much for joining us this week. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Thanks, Ed. I appreciate your kind (laughs) and your 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 sincere response i appreciate yeah. that you, you appreciate his kind his kind i appreciate your <laughs> you're starting to sound like I, a game from the e-shop irish <laughs> i appreciate o'keefe's i do We're good people i'm sure you for are. the most part uh, yeah <laughs> listeners unless the olympics are on oh <laughs> i'm gonna end the show listeners thank you so much for listening to the show if you like what you hear leave us a review subscribe to the show we want to hear what you have to say about the show uh, thank you so much for giving up a, about an hour of your time. Do stay tuned, though. Uh, the show's not quite over yet, because on the second half, we're going to have the interview with Rune, and we're going to talk about Red Colony 2, so you can hear from the rec- uh, the creator of that game uh, coming up next. So with that, everybody stay safe and game on, and we'll talk to you next week. See ya. Good night. Take care, everybody. Welcome back to Gamerheads. Our guest this week is Ruin Storm. He is the creator behind the game Red Colony 1 and Red Colony 2. Thank you for joining us, Ruin. Thank you so much for having me. 
Yeah, you're welcome. I'm glad that uh, we were able to connect and have you on the show. Yeah. Um, so before we talk about the games themselves, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah, so I'm, uh, my name is Rune Shimotsuji Storm. I'm recently married. So we have a double barrel uh, family name now. Oh, uh, nice. I'm from yeah, uh, I'm from Sweden. Uh, I uh, I went to a plumber high school, and as soon as I finished, I moved to the states uh, for a year where I worked as an au pair. And after that, I got the travel bug, and I traveled like crazy for I think like five six years, just backpacking all over the place, and eventually ended up in Japan. Fell in love wow. and. Not, uh, I fell in love with Japan at this point. So I uh, moved to Australia, worked on a farm, saved up money back to Japan, went to a Japanese language school. And after that, I just kept on living in Japan for the last 10 years. Wow. and recently moved back to Sweden to uh, avoid the, the pandemic that is going on over there. Because here in the northern parts of Sweden, there's literally nothing happening on that front. So we took a little bit of a break, moved back to Sweden, where we just live in a small apartment for the time being, and we will see what happens after this. Nice. Uh, and I, when I lived in Japan, I also started developing games because I, I had a lot of spare time. I did acting and modeling, and then I, um, on all that spare time I had, which meant, uh, like I worked maybe once or twice a week, and then I went to castings maybe five, six times a week. So I had a lot of time over for to do just and nothing really the first couple of years i only played games during that spare time <laughs> and eventually i i was actually quite disappointed with myself for not learning japanese and also the whole point of learning japanese was to get into translating games and that way get into the gaming industry but i sort of uh, i really sucked at, at learning japanese so when i uh, I, at some point I realized that, man, with all this spare time, I can just use that to learn programming and do a game on my own. And that's what I, that's what I did. Wow. That is amazing. Uh, first of all, the fact that like, you're like, yeah, you know, I did you know, modeling and acting. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then on the spare time, you know, I was going to, you know, learn Japanese and do some coding. That's to me, I think that's just <laughs> so amazing. I don't know. That's crazy. I think I was surrounded by a lot of uh, others who had this sort of, uh, there were some of the other talents I met there, the, the models and actors that they used this opportunity to do those things. And I think they inspired me to sort of, mm. yeah, do the same. Just use my time on, uh, well, basically chasing my dream to get into gaming. Because I, I remember when I played so much games, eventually it became sort of boring because I felt, almost felt like I, was, I didn't deserve to, to spend that much time playing games. <laughs> uh, playing games for me is like something I really enjoy when I deserve it, like after a hard day's work. But if you have un, unlimited time playing video games, it eventually becomes sort of boring, I felt. Uh, and then I, I thought like, well... Instead of just playing games, I should try try to make one instead. Wow! So I think that's, I was inspired by people around me. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, that's that's. I just, I will say, I, uh, I wish I had your ambitions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but now you have a son too, right? So, like, how do you fit all of that into your day? 
uh, it's really tough to make this work. I actually recorded a video before we started this podcast. I might upload it on, on Twitter, how I'm telling my son, now dad is going to have a meeting. You have to be quiet. <laughs> I mean, he's just outside his room and he absolutely loves me. And the problem is that I, since I've been working from home, I mean, he was born during the pandemic. I've always been uh-huh. home. Um, we got like, we bonded. I think more than what most parents do, or especially fathers, since traditionally speaking, especially in Japan, the man has to go to work and the the woman stays home. There's no other way in in Japan. Of course, in in Sweden, it's more equal on that front that both parents work and both parents stay home. But, you know, he was born in Japan and that's where we lived for the first year. And I was always home. So even though it was really hard to get anything done, we... uh, I started like, so what I'm doing now, for example, is that I I get up super early every day, like five, and then I go to the gym and then I go back and I I work like three hours before he wakes up. Mm. And then we sort of have, then my wife go to the gym and I have to be with him. And then lunchtime, after lunchtime until five o'clock, I get to work five hours straight. So in total now I have like almost eight hours and then we eat together and have family time until he goes to bed. And then I squeeze in two more hours in the night. So that way I get to, to work eight to 10 hours a day. But uh, the cool thing also to work like this from home is that uh, sometimes like yesterday was really good weather. So we went to the beach in the middle of the day. So I didn't work basically uh, when I usually work. So, but I used to have this rule is to work at least eight hours a day. So sometimes I might have to work a Saturday and Sunday just to get that 40 hour week mm. uh, thing. So yeah, it, it's hard, but my, my wife is really supportive. And now that we live in Sweden, she doesn't have like a work permit or anything like that. So she, she got nothing else to do than, uh, so she helps a lot now to, to be with him more than I, me. Uh, so yeah, yeah, it works. Do I you... think it's tougher for her though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Do you, do you still, are you still modeling and acting too then? Uh, no, since, I mean, we live in the Northern parts of Sweden now, there's okay. nothing here. So uh, uh-huh. I, I stopped and the, the acting and modeling thing is something I just stumbled across while living in, in Japan. I went there to, to learn Japanese and okay. I was scouted and then uh, I tried it out and enjoyed it. Eventually my uh, student visa was cut because I barely went to school uh, like I mentioned before, I really sucked at it. So uh, we, I had to leave Japan. And then I went backpacking in South America for like six months. And while I was there, the model agency I worked with just for like four months, they contacted me and asked if I wanted to come back so they could sponsor my visa so I could stay in Japan. Because I managed to score some really big jobs right before I left. So after that backpacking trip, I went back to Japan and, and started modeling and acting like full-time for the coming, I, I don't know, like seven years or something, maybe. Wow. Uh, <laughs> that is, you have, you have lived, at, I mean, our living, I should say, an amazing life. I just want to say that. So that's, that's, oh. that's awesome. Cheers. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the games. Um, I'm going to throw a question in here that I, I didn't have on the list and I should have had on the list. So I'm going to start with this question first. Tell us about red colony, uh, just the concept of red colony. Um, and, and yeah, tell us a little bit about the game and, um, and, um, in your own words, uh, like how, how did you start 
how did you start this game? Like where, where did you start from, uh, from like the idea, I guess. Um, so I guess I actually, I've done a couple of these sort of, uh, interviews and i feel like i have different answers every time and that's because i don't <laughs> i'm not quite sure myself to be honest but i think how red colony came to be is sort of like uh, so i made a game called knife boy it's it's on steam only and and that was my first game and that took me three years to make and the first two years was really fun and the last year was just pure hell to like sort of make the game come together and i basically made probably all the mistakes like developer can do when he makes a game so when knife boy finally came out i uh, i sort of gave up on the idea of making games but then i thought i have to do one more and just give it try one more time so i took all the the fun things i enjoyed making in knife boy i made i sort of used that as a base like if i'm gonna make one more game and if i'm actually gonna have the the energy to to see through the whole project i have to make sure that it's fun to make the game. So in Knife Boy, for example, there are some environments that are quite zoomed in. So it's like inside a bar, for example. And I love making these rooms full of details and stuff like that. So I thought mm. my next game has to be like that, uh, zoomed in with a lot of environmental details and um, environmental storytelling. Because I thought that was really fun to make. So that was like one of the concepts. Before I even knew this was a horror game, I just knew it has to be zoomed in. But that also made me think it can't be a Metrovania or platforming game because if I zoom in the camera too much, it's going to be too messy to run around and you will you won't you can't see the enemy ahead of you and stuff like that. Yeah. So I thought, well, if it's zoomed in, it has to be a slow-paced game. So I thought like a walking sim, but I'm not a huge fan of walking sims. So I thought, well, I'm probably not going to enjoy making the game if it is something that I don't really enjoy playing. And then um i thought well if it's a horror game that sort of makes sense that the camera is zoomed in and i can make these detailed environments um so that's how it became a horror game and then it was actually the the clothes ripping effect in the game is also something i wanted in knife boy mm. uh he was supposed to look more and more torn each time he takes damage but that was one of the things i i couldn't do because from a programming point of view i didn't know how to how to make that work towards the end of knife boy however there's one boss fight where where the environment changes depends on his health so then i realized well this is basically what i wanted knife boy to have but at that point it was too late to implement that to knife boy so i thought well in this horror game i could do that like the more damage the player takes the, the more his or her clothes get ripped and blood on her and whatever and this is also before it was even like this sort of etchy anime horror game hmm. uh, so that's how basically how the game came together it's just a bunch of leftover ideas from knife boy and the fact that i i wanted this to be fun to make the game and on top of that in japan there's a lot of uh, uh, graphic novels on both the switch and the, the vita even the vita you can go into a shop in japan and find like 20 games you never heard of because <laughs> they're only in japan and yeah. i've always been very fascinated in these graphic novels there was one that made around a couple of years ago uh, about a bird and a human that falls in love uh, do you guys know which one i'm talking about uh does it ring a bell yes i can't remember the name of it though um uh, a boyfriend i think yes oh, okay yeah yes so i never played that one but i think that one was translated to english 
Mm. But the point is that there's a lot of those really weird games in Japan <laughs> that we never get in the West. <laughs> and my Japanese skills are still, like, I could play them, but it would take me forever to read and I would have to translate a lot of the words as well. So I thought, I want to make a graphic novel with gameplay. And that's sort of what Red Colin is supposed to be, which is really interesting because mm. in the in Japan, a lot of YouTubers and critics says, ah, oh, this is like a graphic novel with gameplay. And in the West, it's more like a 2D Resident Evil with tits. Yeah. So it's quite, uh, <laughs> it's really fun to see how these two cultures approach this game totally differently. Uh, but yeah, that was the, the original idea, like a, a, a graphic novel with gameplay. And then the, the fact that it's a horror game, it's just because it had to be something slow paced. And then it made sense to make it a horror game. And slow paced also meant like, well, zombies make sense because they are slow. And then, yeah, so that's how it sort of came to be. It's mm. like a lot of things at the same happens at, at once. And then it just becomes this uh, spark. And then boom, there you have it. Nice. It's interesting that you said that about uh, how the two different cultures view the game. Mm. Um, because now that you said it's, you know, like I envisioned this to be a graphic novel with gameplay now that you said that i'm like oh yeah i can see that i can mm. <laughs> i can yeah. see that now but yeah that's so fascinating i i wow that's awesome um so you created red colony one and then now you came up with a sequel um what were some things that you learned from red colony one maybe techniques or features uh that you applied to red colony two uh <clears throat> what i the biggest thing I learned from Red Colony 1 was planning. So with Red, Red Colony 1, I sort of made a whole game. And in the end there, we my publisher sort of stepped in. Actually, this game was almost done middle of, uh, I want to say 2019 for oh Steam. My really? And then I made my publisher stepped in and said, hey, we do you want to publish this on the Switch? So I've been working with them before on Knife Boy and they outsourced the, the porting process to another to like a third party. Mm. But that porting company is so busy that Knife Boy is still not out on any consoles. So I said, well, you know what happened with Knife Boy, it's still not out. So and then he said, well, what why don't you port it yourself? <laughs> and I said, huh, well that sounds super hard, but I also thought, you know, why not? Like I could learn how to port games myself. That's a really useful skill to have. So he sent me like a dev kit and I started figuring out how to port the game from Steam or to from PC to Switch. And oh my, that was a lot of work. And it took months just to make it work. Like, like it took weeks just to make it launch on the system, but then the controllers didn't work. And then I had to sit for weeks to f- make that work. And then the saving system didn't work. So I had to like... It was so much work to make to make it work on the Switch. So when it finally worked and it was playable from start to finish and all that, I sort of asked the, the publisher, like, what languages do you have? So then we outsourced the, the translation work mm. to, like, a French guy, a Spanish guy, and my wife who did the Japanese translation. So the whole game was pretty much done. But now I just had to sit and wait for the, for the languages to be done. Mm. Uh, so I'm going somewhere with the story. And then when that was done, we had to check that it worked and then fix the spelling mistakes or whatever. And then finally the game was done. So with Red Colony 2, I made sure that I wrote the script early on and sent that out quite early on. As you know, Roger, I sent Mm -hmm. you one. Yep. The only problem I still 
uh, with Radical Number Two, even though you and some others looked over the scripts, I had to change a couple of things kind of right before release. And that's sort of like, I guarantee like all the spelling mistakes and grammar mistakes in the games is like my, uh, because I went in there last minute and changed a couple of things. <laughs> but uh, so that's just, uh, in, in Japanese it's called shogunai. It means like, there's nothing you can do about it. Mm-hmm. So it's just like that, it's shogunai, uh, that the spelling mistakes are still in there, even though you and others did so, such a good job fixing it. But still, that planning process, which must, was, was much better in Red Colony 2, and the whole game took much faster to make. Mm. And something like uh, uh, the, the dinosaur sound effects, for example, is something I did last minute. Also, someone on Fiverr helped me make them. He like specialized mm. on it. I think, I think he did a really good job at making the dinosaur sound effects, because I tried myself, and it was absolutely horrible. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> there is a velociraptor in a cage in the research center, uh-huh. and that one is my sound effect I'm just making with my mouth. <laughs> so it's like, you can really tell the difference between my sound effects and this guy's sound effects. <laughs> So now with Red Colony 3, I'm trying to plan things even better. So the scripts are almost done and ready to go out for translation. And I just contacted this guy to help me with some sound effects again. So all these things. And also, uh, the you know, Red Colony 2 was fully voiced act, mm-hmm. voice acted. And this was like one of the things we did last minute because it was too expensive. But then my publisher knew the voice acting studio and he felt like, well, you know, we give you a pandemic prize. So we got very cheap uh, uh, voice acting in the game. Uh, So that was like, even though Red Colony 2 was completely finished, I still had to wait like a week for those things to come in. So with Red Colony 3, I'm trying to learn from those mistakes and plan things even further, even better. The only problem when you have story-driven games is that if you want to change things later on, that means... Uh, the scripts has to go back to the translation people. Mm. And also if, if the game is full of voiced already, you can't change it after the fact. So, uh, so it's no matter how well you try to plan things, it's always become this sort of last minute when everything comes together, but you can prepare yourself for that. And I think that's what I learned from Red Colony 1 to Red Colony 2 and now to Red Colony 3 to plan things ahead of time. Nice. Mm. and uh, yeah one more thing i would like to add with red colony one it was sort of released with uh, a lot of bugs that we missed during the play testing there was even a, a game breaking bug uh, and this is i think the, the biggest thing i learned how to publish games on the switch mm. so when you send in your build and nintendo in this case green light the build that means that's the one that goes out so I didn't know that. I thought it would be like on Steam, you can keep on replacing the build over and over again. Mm. So when I sent a build to Lewis, I said, yeah, this is, this is good. Send it to uh, Lewis, is the, the guy from Shinyuden, the publisher. So he sent that build to Nintendo and I knew there was a bug in the game that could break the, the load and save function. But I thought totally that you can just replace this until the release date and that's not <laughs> the case. So... <laughs> Yeah, the game came out and I was absolutely panicked about it. And I oh. and then I was so naive thinking that, well, I, I still have like two weeks to fix it and upload a patch. But then even a patch and all that has to go through a process like where it gets, you have to explain what, what's in the patch and then the people from Nintendo has to play it and make sure it works. Oh my gosh. So even that is like a, a lot of uh, work. 
So yeah, learned a lot from Red Colony One publishing on consoles, and I have even more respect for big game companies. How they pull this off is unbelievable, and I can't even believe they can give like a release date so far ahead of time. Like, how do they know it's gonna be done by then? It's just so <laughs> yeah. many things that can happen last minute. Yeah, that's crazy. I think my favorite part of that story was like was when when you're your publisher said, well, you know, you just figure it out. Figure out how to port the game to the Switch. Like, uh, okay. <laughs> well, that's the... He has so much faith that I know what I'm doing. And, I, and I'm like, mate, I don't know what the hell I'm doing most of the time. All of the things I'm doing is trial and error. But he thinks, because I made a game, I'm pro at this. And I keep reminding him, I'm not pro. I need your help. <laughs> So, but he's very helpful though. Uh, but I do like his his hands off approach. Mm. But sometimes it's like he, he thinks I'm better than I am, and that and that can be quite stressful for mm. for me to sort of live up to those expectations. Okay. But yeah, uh, that's funny. Mike, do you want to take the next question? I sure can. Right. So when um, when you started uh, with the first Red Colony game, did you always have a plan to make a sequel to it? Or did that just kind of come along after you finish it and you're like, you know what, maybe this would be something good that would be uh, to continue the story? Yeah, actually, the original plan was it was supposed to be three storylines in one game, kind of like Red, oh. uh, Resident Evil 2. You know, you can play from Claire's perspective and Leon. I think that's mm -hmm. the characters in Red, Resident Evil 2. Yes. So... But however, if you have played these recently, you can tell that uh, it doesn't always make sense that you, if you play as Leon and then as Clary, the doors are still locked that you unlocked when you play as Leon, for example. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't quite happen at the same time, if that makes sense. So with, with Red Colony, I wanted it to be three storylines at once. Uh, and at this point, I had decided that it was going to be drama in the game, just to put a different spin on horror, like... Uh, the whole drama and etchiness was to sort of make the game stick out more and also more fun for me to write the story and make it ridiculous. <laughs> so the, the original idea was to play as Maria, a scientist, and a nanny who's cheating on the scientist's husband and a spy. So oh. all these are in there, but mm -hmm. it was supposed to, supposed to happen at once, all at once. And I wanted to have permadeath and less health. Ooh. So meaning that if you played as, for example, Maria first, and you only made it halfway through the game and you die, her body will be there turning into a zombie when you play as Nicole through the game. And then oh you reach gosh. that point, then Maria is there as a zombie, dead. So you never know, as a player, you would never know how Maria's story ended because you died halfway through. Oh my gosh. And then uh, play that as the third character uh, could also run into the previous two if they both died so the idea was to sort of make it through the game in whatever way you can meaning that if you play as maria first you will kill some zombies and when you play as nicole those zombies will be dead so you can make it further into the game with her hmm. uh, so it was sort of because i'm a huge souls fan and i like that sort of the punishment of dying when you play games but you know these ideas were just <sighs> how the hell do you do that how do you make it work <laughs> yeah so i had to just the game i i made it easier uh so i just focused on the story and then from that i 
I guess a part of me already thought that it has to be three games now because I want to three, tell three stories. But of course, that changed over time. The spy is still there. Nicole from Red Colony 2 is still the one who caused the outbreak in Red Colony 1 and so on. Uh, so that's, um, I guess, halfway through Red Colony 1, I decided to make uh, two games. I think it's two games, but now it became three. So, Wow. That's... Mm. That's interesting. Um, that's an interesting concept too about the fact that you would play as one character and then if you died, that's as mm. far as you know about that story and then you play as the next character. Yeah. Uh, I, I still think that the ending of, even though it's like two endings in Red, Red Colony 1, uh, I, I, uh, I kept that in mind though, that I wanted the end to be just a, not like a, a abrupt, abrupt end. Like you sort of leave the player like, what, what, what happened? Why? Mm. Like mm. that. And that's what I wanted to keep from the original idea. When, when you play through the game and they just die, that's it. Sayonara, you know, yeah. no more with this character. And sort of leave the player a bit annoyed that she has died. And then mm. you have no chance to, to, you know, undo what just happened. So, yeah, in a way, I, I kept that ending where it just happens uh, which is really annoying for a lot of people, but I, I like it when it's like that. It's just mm. this random person's life just ends, and yeah. that's how it is sometimes. You can walk out of your house and get hit by a truck, and then it's over. Mm. So it's something philosophical and also something really dark about that, which I wanted to have in the game. Yeah. It was interesting that you said that too, because I think one of the things that I really appreciated uh, about the game, and I, and I, and I talked to you about this, um, was the fact that the zombies that you run into in the mm. game, like you, you know, like they're, they're people, like you hear about their stories and you read about their stories. Right. Mm. So like, I don't know if I've ever played a horror game where you're like, Oh, that zombie was this person. And like, they had a story behind them and that's them as a zombie. Uh, like I think of like resident evil games and well, I haven't, I will say I've only played like the first two. So Mike, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but, but I feel like the zombies that I've run into in those games were just zombies. Like you didn't mm. know much about their, their, their story. So yeah, uh, I really, I really appreciated that. And it's interesting when you said that about how you, you know, that's, that's life, you know, like, mm. like people, you know, enter your world, enter your life. And then they, they unfortunately, you know, leave your life too, but they leave mm. a mark and, I don't know. I just thought it was an interesting uh, perspective of a horror mm. game. I, uh, it, it's more of that in Red Colony 1 than Red Colony 2. And that's unfortunately because of uh, we wanted to voice act the whole game. Mm. And so here's a, like a financial problem. Like if you want that, there are sacrifices to be made. That meant I had to make less text in the game. Because if I would, uh, uh, if we wanted everything to be voice acted, it would be like, too expensive uh, but then last minute we sort of we said only the conversations will be voice acted and all these sort of uh, wrist gears and diaries will not be voice acted but also at that point it was sort of too late for me to add those extra layer on of the the zombies uh, that each zombie has like a personality and it's someone you used to know also one cool detail i wanted in red colony one which i never managed to pull off for, because it was too difficult was that she would sometimes see a zombie and she would recognize him and mm. say like oh holy shit it's you roger 
And like mm. when you shoot him, it's like, I'm sorry, like that. Mm. But that was also one of those things that is sort of wishful thinking, but was too hard to to make it work. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, Mike, I'll let you take the next question too, because like this was your this was your question. So I'll let you take this one. Sure. All right. So Red Colony 2 um is an homage or homage, homage. I don't even know the right way to pronounce it, but <laughs> I thought it was I'll, pronounced homage, so I think you're way better off than me. We'll take it. Um, to classic survival horror games like uh, you know, like Resident Evil and like Dino Crisis, were there any other games that really inspired you to make this one? I know you mentioned Souls earlier. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, this is what we sort of talked about a little bit before. This question is kind of like the first one that Roger asked about just the game overall, but first and foremost this was like a, a graphic novel with gameplay and i was basically inspired by a lot of anime stuff uh, and i think this whole resident evil spin came to the game later on by accident um because the the camera view in the game was supposed to feel like someone is stalking you so it was kind of supposed mm. to move all the time like someone is always hiding and looking at you and this is something there's a scene in a, an anime called high school of the dead which is i was inspired by because that zombie is an etchy and anime so there you have it that's like probably the biggest inspiration hmm. but there's a specific scene there when there's this creepy guy who who's uh, attacking one of the main protagonists and before he does that there's this sort of camera view how he's sort of hiding behind a, a, a some bushes and stuff like that but so i wanted this to be the sort of camera view at default in the game so for example when you walked up staircases it was supposed to zoom in on your legs and sort of pan over your body and sort of maybe zoom in extra on, on your breast or face just to make it feels like this is a perverted stalker stalking me oh. so that was sort of how i wanted it to be but yet again easier said than done so I, I couldn't even make it work that she walked up the stairs. So then I was like, oh, what am I going to do? I was so far into the development. So I just slapped this sort of UI animation, which is the one that takes place though when you walk through stairs, uh, up the stairs and the elevator and the, the doors and all that. And as I made that, it came clear to me, this is just like the old school Resident Evil games. When you walk through scenes, it's like mm. this loading scene. So, yeah. and once I realized that, that's when I sort of put, I thought, uh, I'm like, more and more sort of Resident Evil dinosaur, uh, Dino Crisis Easter eggs in the game. And like, one thing I loved about the old Resident Evil games were the ridiculous puzzles when you combine like two totally random things and it becomes a key. It's like, it doesn't make sense. And I thought these <laughs> kind of funny things uh, back in the day. So I, I wanted some of my puzzles to be a little bit more ridiculous like that. Mm-hmm. To and I, I guess sort of halfway through the game, I started flirting more and more with the '90s games. Um, so let's see, yeah, and that's how the homage or whatever we agreed on to call the <laughs> word. <laughs> that's how those things happen, sort of after the fact. Mm-hmm. And then I'm extremely inspired by, like, one of the, my favorite things with horror games or horror shows on TV, especially with zombies, is like how how did the zombie virus become a thing? Uh, so here, I mean, in Red Colony, I take it to some really weird place about the Earth and Mars used to be one planet with dinosaurs. And then 
this planet X destroyed it, and now the dinosaurs on Mars froze really fast. So they were kept intact until humans made it to Mars and we found them. And that's how the zombie virus became a thing. Mm. So this is sort of what I, I, I like to watch space documentaries and conspiracy theories about where humanity comes from. Mm. Uh, and evolution these things i'm very passionate about so that's how the that's a homage to that i guess mm. nice it's, it's i think it's pretty funny that you mentioned that you know the ridiculousness of the resident evil puzzles and how to get all the p the three p or three or four pieces to make one yeah. piece i gotta mm. say i i was cracking up and i, I don't want to spoil anything but there's a um there's a piece of the valve that you have to get from big daddy and oh uh, yeah how you get it just it was just cracking me <laughs> when I did it. I was just like I was like, okay, that's pretty ingenious. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, any any movies that also inspired the game, Rune? Um yeah, well, with uh, Resident uh, geez, Red Colony too, I'm obviously there's some scenes that are definitely inspired by uh Jurassic Park. Mm. Uh, I don't know. Can, can I spoil it or is it supposed to be spoiler free? I uh, you, feel you, like you, I already went uh, through the spoilers. I, what do you think, Mike? I mean, I, I, I mean, I think you could, well, I think it's fine. Yeah, that's, <laughs> well, I can spoil one. For example, there's the high grass. What happens there is obviously from uh, Jurassic yeah. Park, like yes. uh, yeah. flirting with Jurassic Park. And there's a, uh, in uh, who is it i think nicole is calling mina mina is the robot woman she calls her a toaster and that's from star trek mm. uh, in star mm. trek they call mm-hmm. someone a toaster i can't quite remember but <laughs> something that stuck with me when i saw that back in the day so um i think i think that's i don't watch many movies i'm sure i am inspired by movies like on an unconscious level but i think mainly just jurassic park mm. but then of course the whole drama aspect of red colony one is just from watching my wife watching all these drama shows on tv and i was kind of fascinated how can you be so hooked on these things so i <laughs> sat down and watched one with her and of course you know eight hours later i'm like oh my god i can't be- believe melissa told it back said brian are you kidding me yeah what's gonna happen so it's like there's a hook in that and i thought mm. that was fun like yeah yeah how could you sort of bring that hook into a horror game so i guess i was inspired by that too nice well it worked that that one um area of the game where you're just you're going from um the one section to the other and the the tall grass in the background Hmm. every time every time i would go through that section it would just be really tense because i'd Hmm. see like the grass moving and i'd be like all right i need to run as fast as i can before something happens that's good you felt that way because i I was scared that that scene is too slow and nothing happens. So people will just be kind of annoyed that you walk back and forth. But my intention was to, be ten- to build tension for that. And then, yeah, eventually something happens. Uh, mm-hmm. And that was supposed to spook the, the, the player at least. Hmm. Uh, Mike, I'll All let right. you take that next yep. one there. All right. Um, so as a one-man team, um, what was the hardest thing about creating that game from scratch? Uh, programming, for sure. You know, I had to to learn everything from scratch. So programming was the hardest thing. I have been dabbling in, uh, like, 
something was it was called uh, Adobe bought them recently, and now it's just called Animate. It was called oh, Mac- Micromedia Flash. It's like I used to make videos for you Newgrounds. If you guys remember that website, yep, I remember Newgrounds. Yeah, so I used to make videos for Newgrounds when I was younger in like high school. Uh, so I had a little bit of uh, understanding in how animations worked. Uh, but yeah, programming was just, I mean, I, I sat there for like a year with Knife Boy, just programming, writing things, like seeing tutorials online or asking in forums and just sort of copy pasting what people told me. And sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. And I had no idea what I was doing. It's literally like, imagine you just open a book of Arabic and you start learning from scratch. <laughs> it's... <laughs> And it's a completely different language, even like mm-hmm. the Arabic way of writing, for example, is totally different or Japanese for that matter. It's just like learning something totally from scratch. So that was really hard to, to program. And I feel, I feel I'm still new about it. I always say like, I don't want the programming to see my codes because that would give them, you know, <laughs> severe headaches just by looking at what I've been doing. But it's, uh, yeah, the programming was definitely the hardest part. And then um, I wrote down something about that. Uh, and the, the, the worst part about being one-man team is that you have to, uh, unless you want to work on, because like, I could honestly have worked on Red Colony 1 for 10 years to make it as the way I actually envisioned it. But when you're a one-man team, you really have to compromise on all fronts. You can't spend a year just perfectionizing the graphics and then a mm-hmm. year on the the sound only. So you sort of have to, I don't want to say half-ass them, but you sort of have to, you have to stop yourself from being a perfectionist and sort of be like, well, this is good enough for now. Now the the controller works. I think in Red Colony, I mean, it's quite clunky and tanky controller, but I think that's perfect because it's a horror game. But I can, Mm -hmm. of course, see the reviews that it's, I mean, it's a bit glitchy here and there when you sit, when you duck and stand up, for example. She sort of floats through the, through the floor sometimes but uh but then when she stands up you have to wait for the animation to to finish before you can move again and that was you know intentional from my point of view to make it like more stressful for the player mm. when the zombie is coming and so that the tank controller nest it's all intentional but at the same time it's also because i couldn't make it as fluid as i wanted it to be uh but i think it works because it's a horror game uh, but that's uh, the toughest thing when you're a one-man team to you keep have to keep on compromising on everything to make just to make sure that the game comes together. Uh, so with Red Colony Two again is what I had a good base to work on from Red Colony One. So Red Colony Two I can focus on more of the graphic stuff like the anima- animated uh, when they're talking to each other. There it's mm-hmm. animations happening there. So. Yeah, you can definitely see that there's a level up in Red Colony 2. And that's just because I had done all the hard work with Red Colony 1. And now I can sort of polish and fix more things in Red Colony 2. But of course, there will always be some some glitches or some uh, some things I missed. But yeah. Yeah. I Yeah, again, I just, it's amazing. And, and the other thing I, I, I didn't touch upon, and I should have, like, all the art in this, you did all the art too, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's mm. that's amazing. So, um, and it and it does have that anime feel, like that. Mm. And I mentioned yep. that to you before too. But I, I, I just, I'm so. It's just amazing that you did all of that. That's that's Cheers. impressive. Yeah. 
what did you uh what did you learn about yourself while creating these games um yeah i was thinking about that i think it's a quite cheesy answer but uh, i do think that what i learned is that if you put your mind to it you can do it mm. uh, like I mean, I'm a, I'm a northern Swede with ADHD and dyslexia, and I'm a plumber, but I managed to make a game. I think that's pretty damn impressive. Yeah. That if you just mm-hmm. focus on it, you can do it. And it doesn't mean that the game is a 10 out of 10, but, you know, in, in due time, I hope I can make one of those games. But, like, just that's what I've learned, that if you just focus on something, you can do it. And that's what I'm doing now that I'm a father. Like when I have a really shitty day with with my son, I, I try to, um, I sort of take my father my my fatherhood as a, uh, how should I put it? Well, really focusing on being a, the best damn father I can be, and mm. somehow um, I think about I managed to make this game even though I have no experience whatsoever. <laughs> And that's sort of like being a father too, you know, you have no experience of being a dad before. So you have to like make it work somehow. So yeah, I guess that's what I learned that if you really try really hard, you can do it. Hmm. Nice. That's very inspiring. That is very inspiring. And I, yeah, does that really answer the question? What I learned about myself? Yeah, Yeah, it does kind of, you know, in some way. But if you try hard, yeah. I love it. Um, So what's next? What's next for you? Uh, Red Colony 3. Um, working on that and uh it's uh it, i'm trying to make it a bit different in in many aspects but i'm not sure yet if i can like the battle system will be slightly different and there is there's a lot of different things going on there and i've learned how to use the the light tools in unity i'm i'm getting pretty good at that now and that's because um Red Colony 2 was quite delayed because my computer broke when I moved back from Japan to Sweden. So I had to reinstall all like Unity and and everything. And the Nintendo sort of dev kit forced me to update all my software. And when I did that, Unity's latest software had some, like the light system in that was quite different from the one I used. Mm. So... I looked, all the lights were totally broken. So I was sitting for a week trying to fix that and I couldn't, but I um, I learned how to use the tools much better. So I think you will see in Red Colony 3, the, the lights will be used differently. And I'm quite excited to, to see if people appreciate that or not, because I think it looks way better in, in Red Colony 3 from, from what I have so far. Hmm. And then of course the, the story will hit its climax moments and the, uh, yeah that's what what's going on there with red colony 3 and once that's done i'm thinking there is a game i want to make that i actually wanted to make before i started with red colony 1 but i thought it would be too complicated so i think i can actually pull that off right now and i also think that i can use red colonies uh gra- like the, the engine in terms of codes i think i can use that as a jumping off point to make that game i really wanted to make and that's like also very story driven hmm. uh, but it will be no sort of uh, fan service or anything in that game it's more grounded in a way i think so i hope that's what i'm doing next nice nice, nice. Hmm. well ruin thank you so much for joining us today i really appreciate it and it was really great talking to you and learning about 
uh, more about you and more about the process behind the game. I, I really enjoyed our chat. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I think it's super, super fun to talk uh, on these types of podcasts. And I'm a big fan of yours. So it's really fun <laughs> to be on this podcast. Well, I appreciate that. Like yeah. I have one fan. Yay. Yay. <laughs> uh, no, it was great. Thank you so much. And that will do it for this week's episode of the Gamerheads podcast. Make sure you subscribe to our show. And that way you'll get notified when new episodes will release on every Sunday. See you next week.